0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of War Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. joined tonight by my co-host, Matt DeBear. Matt, I don't know what this feeling is. And it, well, actually, it's familiar, but I just haven't felt it in a while.
1: Yeah, I, I was spent my, my afternoon consoling uh, my neighbors here about uh, 20 minutes or so from Ann Arbor. It's, this is a unique feeling, um, one we haven't felt for, what, 11 months or so. Yeah,
0: uh, it. I mean, I met Manchester City putting five past Burnley in a 5 0 win, but yeah, I, I now I, I now know we're on the same page, all right? We can, uh, we, we could talk about that, yes. Uh, as, as Matt mentioned, uh, Penn State picking up its first win of the season 27 to 17 over Michigan in Ann Arbor to move to one and five, uh, on the year. Uh, it was a uh, it was very funny that it happened this way. This was the first time that James Franklin has ever won in uh, in Ann Arbor. And with the win, this meant that Penn State has won three out of its last four games against the Wolverines. I'm sure a little bit later, uh, Matt and I will be more than happy to do a little looking back on uh, Wolverine schadenfreude. But before then... Let's talk about this game, Penn State 27, Michigan 17, Nittany Lions outgamed them 417 to 286. The rushing attack uh, led by true freshman Kayvon Lee was the thing that I thought stuck out the most in the passing game. Sean Clifford looked pretty good, especially when he was targeting uh, Parker Washington. Again, we'll get into Washington in a little bit. Uh, Matt, before we get into uh, just our thoughts on the game and anything like that, like, how you feeling? Like it's weird that we've just been all of us so despondent this season. Uh, so down. So thinking of everything uh, in the big picture, both in terms of Penn state football, as it is constructed in Penn state football, as it sits uh, in the college football elite. To me, it just feels good to celebrate a win for the first time in a minute.
1: Yeah. It's um, a couple of things. One, Um, having, having been a student at Penn state during the the early two thousands and Michigan's just downright ownership of Penn state, um, anytime you get a win against Michigan, regardless of the circumstances, it's always, for me, at least feels, feels a little bit better. Um, you combine that with growing up in Columbus and now living in Michigan and being surrounded by, by a number of Michigan fans. Um, it just, it's always a little bit sweeter to beat them than, than just about any other team on the schedule. Um, and then you just factor in just how, like you said, how disappointing, among other things, this season has been through the first five games, and not just to 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 get a win, but a, a win they really earned. You know, they they dominated that game really from start to finish in just about every every facet. Um, and I think there we'll talk about it as we go through here a little bit, but um, the way they responded to the little bit of adversity that they had, you know, throughout the game. Um, just, it felt like they really grew as a team a little bit and, um, you're just watching players reactions and coaches reactions. It's just, it feels good to be, um, I feel, I feel good for them, um, because it's, it's been easy from afar to kind of say, um, you know, let's pack it in, you know, let's, you know, you know, this 2020 has just been bizarre. Let's, you know, just live to fight another day. Let's start working towards 2021 and beyond. Um, But then you see the way, you know, really the whole team reacted and the coaching staff reacted. Um, These guys are still fighting. So I think it's, it's, it's easy to forget that from where we're sitting, that, um, that these guys still care. And I think that's, that's um, one of the things that, that stuck out to me during the game is that um, you know, this is a team that's still, by and large, very invested despite sitting at zero and five going into the game. Um, I, you know, feel good to see Sean Clifford uh, have a have a bounce back game. I, f- it feels good to see um, you know the, the rushing attack kind of find its way. There's, there's a lot of just positive things, and um, in this you know despondent, disastrous football season among you know strewn about the disaster of 2020 um, it's just it's good to feel something something good f- um, around Penn State football for the first time really and you know in the big picture since they beat Memphis almost exactly 11 months ago now yeah I mean I, I kind of alluded to this uh, you know I was rambling at
0: the beginning there but it's just the fact that w- what it comes back to me for me is that we have been the way we've been talking about Penn State football for basically this entire season. Ever since, basically, ever since the Maryland loss. I mean, the Indiana loss. Uh, we kind of went, okay, listen, fluky things happen. That that's a probably a pretty good Indiana team. But Ohio State loss. Okay, they lost to Ohio State. Whatever. Even if it was a bit of a demoralizing uh, loss to Ohio State. From basically the Maryland loss on. So much of how we have discussed Penn State has not been anything about right now because everything that we would talk about as of right now would have been a complete disaster. And like it is better, it was almost better to have uh, the big existential crisis because it served as a distraction from the fact that Penn State was 0 5, Penn State. Uh, lost to two teams in Maryland and Nebraska. It was no doubt, like, should have blown both of them out. Indiana and Iowa, two teams, It sh- it has to beat every year if it wants to be uh, in that upper tier of college football, all that. And it was just really nice after the game for everyone I knew and to be able to watch everyone I know really have a good time and celebrate the fact that Penn State just won a football game. Like, it is fun. It is supposed to be fun when Penn State wins football games, and that's what ended up happening. Like, yes, even beyond the fact that we got a chance to clown on Michigan, uh, got to make a bunch of jokes at Jim Harbaugh's expense, all those sorts of things. It was just so obvious, so, so, so much fun at the end of the day to be able to wake up on Sunday morning and not have that feeling of dread that I have, um, you might have, Matt, I don't know, and I'm sure other Penn State fans have, where, you know, it just feels, we just know the rest of the week is going to stink because we're coming off the heels of a Penn State loss and we're carrying that with us and that weight grows a little and grows a little and grows a little with each ensuing loss. Penn State ended up winning a football game. Penn State celebrated like it won a football game. There's a video on Blog's Twitter account uh, from uh, Mark Woganrich that featured James Franklin talking after the game. And you could just really tell that it meant a ton to him that Penn State was finally able to pick up a win, uh, you know, in the face of everything that's gone on this season. And then there's how they won. Matt. They won this football game, and we're going to talk about this in a second. They were There have been two other games this year, Indiana and uh, Nebraska, where Penn State was clearly better than the other team, and it was just one or two little things that kept getting in the way from them blowing that team out. Penn State got rid of those this week, and it was so, so fun to watch Penn State football play a game without shooting itself in the foot over and over and being rewarded with a win off of that.
1: Yeah, and I think um, the moment that kind of jumps out to me, among among others, is um, the, the Parker Washington fumble on the. I think it was the second drive of the game maybe that was originally called um, a fumble and return for a touchdown. Very close call, but it felt like for the first time since last season they had something go their way. Um, you know, whether that was the right call or not, you know, it depends on the side of the, the, the field that you're on, I'm sure, but it kind of felt like after that happened, you could almost kind of feel a sense of relaxation, like, okay, you know, we, we dodged a bullet, you know, and they didn't really, it never really felt like the rest of the game that they were. They were on their heels. Sure, there were you know plays that went against them. They gave up you know they still gave up 17 points. You know um, the long Hassan Haskin run, um, the big um, uh, AJ Henning catch that went over to uh, Dequan Hardy. There were those individual plays, but it felt like once they got that call to go their way on the replay, they just kind of relaxed and started to play. And you know, okay, you know, mm-hmm. not everything's going to go our way, but we're going to be okay. And that really and I've alluded to it already every time something like that has happened throughout this season, it's taken them some time to kind of get their feet back under them. Yeah. And, Matt, and then if, something else bad would happen and they go right back to where they were. That it, didn't happen. If, if I can interject for a second, I'm really glad
0: you mentioned that because a little bit later in that drive, fourth and one uh, Penn state ball in the Michigan 26, uh, you know, they have Will Levison they're you know, Penn state's projecting to, uh, everyone on earth, that Will Leves is going to take the snap and plow forward for a yard. They end up getting a false start there. False start goes back to a 49 yard field goal attempt. Jordan Stout misses that. Michigan comes down to the next possession. Uh, that's the one that had the long Hassan Haskins run. Four plays, 68 yards. Michigan ends up scoring a touchdown. It's a 7 7 football game. And we'll allude to this. Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later. But like you were mentioning, All year, it's felt like when Penn State has found itself in that spot, you know, that first big haymaker, first big body blow is landed by the other team, they start to fold. They didn't do that this time, and I that might have been the thing that was most refreshing to see in this entire game. But please, uh, sorry about that. Continue.
1: No, I think I mean we can go through every individual drive chart here because it just kind of keeps manifesting itself to me at least over and over. You know, Michigan ties the game up at seven. Penn State goes three now, and. I think every single one of us is going, oh, God, here we go again. The defense steps up. They get Michigan off the field. Um, offense comes back out, moves the ball a little bit. But they they were able to to hold serve. They never really um, let Michigan take the momentum back. Um, and the one that, um, that really jumps out to me is jumping ahead to the um, fourth quarter here. Michigan has probably their best driver of the day, seven plays, 65 yards, to um, pull within three. Penn State had just kicked a field goal to go back up 20-10 to 10 on a drive that had some promise and just kind of stalled out. And I don't think – Penn State hasn't had a bigger drive since they took the lead at Indiana in the first week of the year. And they just methodically went right down the field, 75 yards. Um, I want to say they converted um, a couple third downs, um, at least one, maybe two. Um, before they were even in field goal range, but they, they never panicked. They just kept, you know, okay, you know, we're going to get five here, six here, four here. And they went down, they took the lead right back and that was really the game. Um, you know, Even on the next drive where the, the Shaka-Tony batted ball, giving Michigan second life on the, the strip sack. Um, it, they never really got too rattled. Um, and I think that's just, James Franklin alluded to it during his press conference last week. You know, he was asked the question, "Do you feel like you've lost the team?" And I think his response was something to the effect of, "Have you seen the way we've played? You know, going down the stretch in some of these games." And I think he and, and the staff just deserve, and the, the the leaders within the team deserve so much credit for. Um, there were so many times on on Saturday, you know, throughout the game where it felt like things could have gone sideways, and we could have ended up, you know seen the team unravel like they really have up to this point and they didn't. And I don't know if it's, you know, a matter of, you know, a, facing a team that's had its own level of adversity like Michigan's had, or just, you know, finally getting comfortable with each other or, or something else. But that's just a, a huge credit to, to everyone involved because um, like I said earlier, I think any number of us would have, would not have been shocked if um, this team had started to throw in the towel um, uh, even before this weekend and, you know, given the opportunity on a few occasions against Michigan, they didn't.
0: It's funny cause I've, I've never felt like this team is completely thrown in the towel. I've always felt like they just get, and, and you know, this is kind of an extension of Sean Clifford. And I think that this is, um, y- you know, this is something that we can allude to just individually. And again, in a macro sense, uh, When things go wrong for Penn State, they get very eager to try and fix their mistakes, which is something that Clifford does. But uh, the team didn't do that, and Clifford didn't do that. And he had a very uh, conservative game, I'll call it 17 for 28, 163 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. QBR of 80.8, which I will, uh, you know, I'll do a quick look and see. I'll guess that was probably his best of the year. Oh, no, Indiana. Yeah, Indiana was. uh, what well, was higher. That was a 95.6. Apologies. But that's his best since the Indiana game. Uh, very, very good on the ground. Nine carries for 73 yards for a touchdown. But the big thing was Clifford just didn't make mistakes. And it didn't feel like this big sense of, oh God, something bad is happening quick. We have to do everything we can to fix it. Like popped up at any point. And that's what, like, like, that was huge. Whenever, you know, we've gone through the various moments of adversity uh, that they ran into during this game. And each time, whether this is um, because Penn State is good at, Penn State was good at uh, responding to it, whether that means uh, Michigan was just really, really bad at responding to it, uh, whether it's six of one, half dozen of the other, I don't know. But it, it was a kind of game that you that we've wanted to see Penn State have, and it just very fortunately came against a team that it was very funny to see them have it against. Uh, let's move in to what did they do especially well, Matt? Uh, start on the offensive side of the ball. Um, to me, this was Penn State's like I never felt like Penn State was trying to do all that mu- like it felt like Penn State was just going out there and running their stuff and they weren't trying you know no trying to make big plays no trying to uh you know turn a 2-yard gain into a 10-yard gain and have it turn into a 0-yard game none of that stuff Penn State just did what it what was put in front of it. And as a result, 25 first downs to Michigan's 14, eight for 16 on third downs to Michigan's four for 12, 417 total yards, 163 passing, 254 rushing, uh, compared to 286, 112, 174 for Michigan. So looking at Penn State on the offensive side of the ball, what did you think they did especially well in this game, Matt?
1: Well, I think the obvious is is the way they ran the ball, both, uh, Kevon Lee, Kaziah Holmes, um, Sean Clifford, all were effective running the ball. But I think the bigger thing is the offensive line played very well. Um, and I, I was, I've been mean, going back and forth kind of during, on and off during the day thinking about, you know, did they run and set up the pass? Did they pass to set up the run? And I I don't really know the answer to that, but I thought really from the outset Penn State really established itself as the more physical line between the offensive line and Michigan's defensive line. Um quitty pay um, potential first round pick was back for Michigan for the first time in a couple weeks and aside from I think one or two plays that he made early on they kind of neutralized him off the end and um, really leaned on Michigan for most of the game I think Clifford had the one sack where I think it was Miranda Miranda or fries got beat inside and um, but didn't feel like he felt a whole lot of pressure most of the game, um, and obviously the rushing stats speak for themselves. Over 250 yards rushing, and that's with uh, the three kneel downs at the very end. Um, so I, th- I think more than anything, they they won that battle definitively up front, um, which allowed you know uh, Lee to have 130 yards, Clifford to have the 70 yards, um, and even Will Levis having some success in those short yard situations. Um, they, just, they were able to do whatever they wanted offensively, and I think more than anything that's because the guys up front really controlled the game for m- most of the way. I I agree. I, mean,
0: I I was most happy with how they got a, a pair of true freshmen involved. Like you mentioned, Kayvon Lee, 22 carries, 134 yards. He's a very, very, very um, – what's the word I'm looking for – there, there's no guessing what he's going to give you. He's going... He's very deliberate. Yes, he's very deliberate. There is going to be a hole. He is going to run at it. If there is someone standing across from him on the other team, he is going to try and run them over. Like, there is... While, you know, Devin Ford, I think, uh, dances a bit, and that could certainly have its merits, Uh Lee doesn't do that. Lee just goes at guys and with how Penn State's front was able to control the game, uh and open up some holes for him, he had of had himself a game. I mean, he's there's by the time people read this, we'll know for sure whether or not he's going to be the Big Ten's offensive player or, uh Big Ten's freshman of the week on the offensive side of the ball. I'd be shocked if he wasn't because he just had he had the kind of game that I think we've all we all expected Noah Kane to have if Noah Kane was able to play and you know, your mind can't. While well, I mentioned uh, not having to think of everything in the macro, your mind can't help but wonder what's going to happen when Noah Kane gets back next season, and uh, defenses are going to try and have to figure out a way to not get worn down when you have these two sledgehammers running at you. Uh, and then there was Parker Washington. I I think that I think that if you told me Penn State went into Ann Arbor. And Jahan Dotson caught three passes for 30 balls. I would have assumed that Penn State put up about five points. Like, I don't, I just could not f- fathom a situation in which this offense would have been able to do much of anything in the passing game without Dotson having uh, a future NFL player level of game. But Washington. He, like you, you know, deliberate is a really good word to describe Lee. It's also a really, really good word to describe Washington. He's not flashy. He's not, um, you know, he's not going to make, turn out these gigantic plays. He's going to run his routes. He's going to find ways to get open and he's going to catch the football. Nine catches, 93 yards. His long in that was 22, uh, there were a, maybe one or two times, I, I think one on the first drive of the game, where he caught the ball and he just danced and made a bunch of dudes miss. But otherwise, it was, Parker, go find some space, catch the ball, and do something. He managed to do that. And I think that Penn State has had one sure thing, You know, taking, removing Pat Frymuth because he's uh, out for the remainder of the season, one sure thing this year in Jahan Dotson. They found a second sure thing, uh, which isn't to say Washington hasn't been good this season, but I think this showed this game showed that they can really rely on him in a way that uh, you might not expect out of a freshman. Uh, you can rely on him to win football games uh, in a way that you might not expect out of a freshman. And then Kayvon Lee showed that they have a kind of running back who they can do a thunder and lightning thing with Ford, because they have Kayvon Lee in there to bring the Thunder to really wear defensives down and then let Ford, instead of being an every down back, which he's never quite seemed comfortable to me in being, you could start using him more situationally. You can use him on third downs, you can use him in the passing game, uh, you can use him when you want to try and break a big one, something like that, so... A bunch of other dudes on offense, deserve credit. We're going to get to one of them and Sean Clifford in a second, but I want to talk about Penn State's defense, Matt. To me, the story of Penn State's defense was they played, other than the fact that there was only one takeaway, they played like the defense that we kind of expected Penn State to have coming into this season. Uh, Sands, Michigan was able to run the ball a bit better than I would have liked to see.
1: Yeah, I think um, Michigan's rushing rushing stats, I think, are kind of misleading it wasn't like they were outright dominant but if you take out haskins 59 yard run he averaged less than three yards a carry and i think as a team they averaged less than right around four which isn't dominant but it's i think the the long run skews things a little bit um i was really impressed with the way the back seven handled the pass and obviously um kade mcnamara's shoulder injury um that he suffered pretty early on I'm sure had some level of impact with their ability to go down the field, but this is a secondary and really a back seven when you factor in the linebackers that has just struggled mightily really since the, the Indiana game with covering the downfield passing game and Michigan threw for 112 yards and 28 of that came on just kind of a one-on-one, um, let AJ Henning try and go up and make a play, um, they averaged four yards per attempt. Um, they never, it never really felt like Michigan was a threat to throw the ball. And I think part of that is certainly McNamara, but I think for a defense that has really struggled to defend the pass for better part, the better part of two seasons now, that's a huge positive. Um, and we'll see where it goes from here in the, in the last, um, two regular season games in the, the third game during championship week. But, um, I think the, the quarterback play, the safety play against the pass, and the linebackers in coverage, I think all did, did an exceptional job um, because it it's, seems obvious, but I'm sure that was a weakness that Michigan had planned to exploit, and whether it be because of injury or or Penn State's play, they weren't really able to. Even when Joe Milton came in, he was just one for three. Um, I think his long pass, his one completion that went for 21 yards was um, primarily a, a catch and run where uh, Brandon Smith kind of got caught over pursuing a little bit and let uh, Ronnie Bell break free a little bit. So um, I thought it was much like the offense, solid, not spectacular, but they, they did what they needed to do. Um, they forced the one turnover that got called back because of the, the shock Tony penalty. Um, but they, they, for the most part, limited big plays. Um, and they they kept the couple of players that Michigan does have um, from, from really breaking free. So do we have... You might have a better idea than I would, Matt,
0: by being in that neck of the woods. Um, how much freedom does Josh Gaddis have to call play... call the offense that he wants to? Because it was really... Really, really weird to me watching a Joe Moorhead and Mike Locksley disciple call that hyper conservative, uh, just weird decision-making sort of game.
1: It hasn't been as much of a topic this year, at least as far as I've heard. As it was, you know, going into last season and beyond, you know, we were joking about it last year about you know, how emphatic Michigan was that, that Josh Gaddis, you know, this is his offense. He's running the show. Harbaugh is keeping his hands off, um, you know, from the moment Gaddis was hired, you know, into the season. Um, I have to think part of it is, is Harbaugh's just um, nature as a coach, you know, he's, you know, his pro background, you know, the era he grew up playing, you know, is that more physical smash mouth kind of football. Um, I think part of it, too, is, look, Michigan doesn't have the kind of weapons that they they had um, last year. Ronnie Bell, um, we certainly know all about. Um, Their second leading receiver is Cornelius Johnson, who's a redshirt freshman that Penn State recruited pretty heavily out of Connecticut, who's having a solid year, um, but he only has 16 catches. He's only a redshirt freshman. Um, They don't have tons of downfield threats like they had even going back a year ago when they had Donovan Peoples-Jones and Bell. And um, Nico Collins, who opted out before this season, um, and they've their offensive line has not been um, nearly as good this year as it has been in the past. Part of that is is losses to graduation. Part of that is injuries. But um, I think part of it is the reality of where Michigan finds itself as far as um, you know they've got a big arm quarterback and Joe Milton who's regressed since the week one. And they have the the, the more accurate quarterback and Cade McNamara who doesn't have the big arm who got dinged up early on. And then you really only have the one true field stretcher in Ronnie Bell that, um, most defenses in the big 10 are going to be able to take away. So I think it's kind of a combination of a lot of things. Um, there hasn't been so much of the attention has been focused on Harbaugh uh, here and, um, even more so probably on Don Brown, the defensive coordinator. Um, so I, I think it's just kind of a, a, a combination of several factors, one of which is certainly, I think, Harbaugh's fingerprints on the offense.
0: Okay, yeah, I it, it, it just seemed very weird to me that once they put, Mil- once Milton had to go in, they weren't like trying to attack Penn State down the field more because for everything Milton had, for you know, for Milton's weaknesses, the one thing that he can absolutely do is let it fly. But uh, yeah, that was that was a uh, weird to me, and it it just felt like uh, they almost certainly had to. Um, like, there's almost no way that Harbaugh is completely out of it if that's the game they were calling. But it was just very weird. Like, I do think Penn State, you know, chicken or an egg thing was Penn state bailed out by this because Michigan was doing it? or was Michigan doing it because this is what Penn state, um, cause Penn state was taking both away from them. It was very weird to me watching Michigan throw it 28 times, uh, and run it 27. Uh, they, they were just really trying to find a balance that seemed completely absurd, To me and, you know, to Penn State's credit, they, uh, you know, Michigan did what it could to find uh, that aforementioned balance. They had 174 rushing yards and 88 of those came on three carries. So 24 went, you know, the rest went on 24. Uh, Throwing the ball, they couldn't get much of anything going through the air. Like, it just seemed like Michigan, like, a really big part of it was Michigan not being able to do uh, much of anything. But to Penn State's credit, their defense, their front one up one against Michigan's front. I mean, PJ uh Hakeem Beeman, Antonio Shelton, I thought did some nice stuff to tackle. Shaka and Jason Owe did Shakatoni and Jason Owe stuff. Uh, back end of the defense, you know, there were a few situations that I think we could have all quibbled with. I think there was, You know, I don't remember when it was, but there was one moment when uh, one of the safeties, it might have been uh, Lamont Wade took a bad angle or something, and it led to Michigan scoring. Like, I'd I'd have to go back and look and try to remember what that was. And the linebackers, you know, they weren't perfect. Uh, There was one moment, I don't remember exactly when it was, where... On back-to-back plays, Lance Dixon looked like a guy who hasn't played a lot of football, and then right after that, Lance Dixon made a play that reminds you, oh, wait, this dude is a freak of nature. Penn State just managed to play more in control and avoid making the kind of cataclysmic mistakes, uh, particularly in its back seven that we've seen this season. As a result, uh, Michigan had a really, really bad time all afternoon. Uh one guy who didn't have a bad time was Sean Clifford. Um, reinserted as Penn State's starting quarterback. Had, uh, again, mentioned a, a, a capable game through the year. I think capable is the best word uh, to describe their Go there again, 17 for twenty eight, 168, three yards, 5.8 yards per attempt. Uh, then on the ground, nine carries, 73 yards, uh, a score, 8.1 yards per carry. Matt, it just felt like Clifford had the kind of game where some, you know, that Penn State spent all week, uh, whether it's Kirk Shiraki, James Franklin, Will Levis, whoever it was, sitting him down and saying, "Just don't make mistakes. If you avoid making mistakes, if you avoid trying to do too much, if you avoid all these sorts of things, we're going to be fine." Uh, he got sacked one time. He didn't seem like he had happy feet to the extent that he normally does. He didn't give the ball to the other team. It wasn't a spectacular game by any stretch of the imagination, but it's the kind of game that Sean Clifford has needed to have uh, in basically every other game this year uh, get other than Indiana and Ohio State, and he managed to have it.
1: Yeah, I think um, – I, I hate the term game manager because it – kind of, it, it brings up all these just kind of irrelevant. Yeah, you, we're, we're 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 not out here to compare anyone to Chad Pennington. <laughs> um, but last time you and I talked, Bill, which I think was after the Maryland game, um, I mentioned that, and it's you know we've seen it since Clifford took over the starting job last year that he has a tendency when things start to go bad. He, he's kind of, he wants to get it all back at once. He tries to, to, you know, score 14 points on one play, that kind of mindset. And I think the, the more this season spiraled out of control, I think the more and more he pressed, and I think get not starting against Iowa, get in sitting at the end of the Nebraska game, I think to some sense, to some degree Slowed things back down for him. Obviously, he had the two interceptions against Iowa in the, when they were trying to force things at late to to come back. But it felt like even when he came back into that game, that he kind of had had hit the reset button to some degree. And we saw that more and you know much more on Saturday. You know, b- being the guy from from the get go, um, I think you know having a running game really helped. You know, I mentioned earlier what whether they want to run to set up the pass or pass to set up the run. They got out and they they ran the ball really effectively on the first. It felt like the first five or six plays. I don't know if it actually was or not. But that kind of helped everyone settle in. It opened up that run pass option that um, we heard all about um, over the summer that that Scirocco really wants to run. that's really the basis of of his offense. and the, the that allowed those those easy um, you know slants essentially over the middle, um, you know an, an easy throw to kind of get him settled in. And being in front the whole way, I don't think it ever felt it never felt like they were pushing to. They certainly weren't, weren't trying to you know come back. They were never trying to come back, but it never felt like they were chasing the game. And it allowed it allowed them to keep the game simple for Clifford. And obviously, there's there's more steps to come. You know, you're, you're not going to to catch the Ohio States of the world with you know eight seventeen for eight seventeen for twenty eight for 160 yards or whatever it was. Um, even with his ability running, you you need more from, from the passing attack, but as a, as a first step from where things were the last five weeks, it was a huge step forward and he, he wasn't trying to do too much. He had a comment after the game. I'm not going to remember exactly what it was, but it was essentially, he felt like he kind of got back to, to who he was and who he needs to be, um, And hopefully that's something you you build on. Um, It's not the, you know, it doesn't become the status quo, but he just felt comfortable or it looked like he felt comfortable. Um, And part of that, like I said, is, you know, having a rushing attack that put up 250 yards. Part of that is not having to, to chase the game because they were down 14 or 21 points early. I think part of it too is just having had the opportunity to sit for really about four or five quarters and watch and, you know kind of taking the game from a different perspective and and see how things happen um because like you said Bill he wasn't you know terribly active in the pocket he wasn't um you know looking to to bolt at the first sign of, of any sort of pressure um and hopefully like i said that's a, a, a first step to to kind of taking that next step that we all kind of thought would happen going into this season uh yeah i actually a it was funny,
0: right? Literally two seconds before uh, you mentioned the, what Clifford said after the game, I went searching for what Clifford uh, said after the game, uh, found it, Will Pegler of uh, my old stopping grounds of Onward State. Uh, I'm actually minoring in psychology, and one thing we've talked about is what an athlete gets in their state of flow, Clifford said. It's definitely a game changer, and it's fun. We can just play loose. After a couple losses this year, I feel like it's been tough to find that. But today I just kind of let loose and had fun with my teammates and was back to the Sean that I used to be. And that really does sum it all up for me. Uh, On his best days, you know, I think back to uh, picks aside. The game against Minnesota last year where he threw for 340 yards against Maryland last year, 26 for 31, 398 yards. On his best days, Sean Clifford is pretty damn good. And those days also are the ones where uh, Clifford gets the ball and he the happy feet aren't there. He's navigating the pocket well. He's better at looking around and seeing the entire field. He's not trying to take off to run uh the second that he gets the ball uh the second that you know his first reads not there and he senses a little bit of pressure he was just very composed very um y- you know he was very much himself during this game he was the very much the best version of himself in this game i look at the first 3 games indiana 35 pass uh, won't even go through the passing numbers uh indiana 17 carries, uh, Ohio State 18 carries, Maryland 17 carries, Michigan 9 carries. He the fact that he had that rushing attack with Kayvon Lee, uh, you mentioned the opening drive, Matt Penn State on that one, seven carries to three rushes, uh, the passes, uh, seven carries, uh, to three passes. Two of the three passes were completions. Uh, the incompletion came on a first down, and right after that, we picked up one for nine yards. So they had that that they could fall back on. And as a result, Clifford just, again, it wasn't spectacular. It wasn't pretty. It was what he needed to do. And uh, he, you know, just after getting be- very much deservedly getting benched, like I'm not going to sit here and say he didn't deserve to get benched, but after getting benched, after... Uh, Basically spending this entire season as his own worst enemy. It was really fun to see the Sean Clifford that... I don't know if you can win the Big Ten with him in there. But if you have the pieces around him as we saw last year... You can make a New Year's Six Bowl. You can win double-digit games, that sort of thing. So hopefully, this gives him something that he could build on uh, going forward. Even if he's just completing uh, a shade over sixty percent of his passes, uh, you know, throwing for in the vicinity of two hundred yards a game, that sort of thing. I'd be, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I want to see Sean Clifford start uh, showing the signs of being the next Joe Burrow. I just want him to play far more in-controlled than he has been. Uh, Let's uh, wrap up talking about this game by talking about the youngsters. Uh, I think that Penn State had a chance to rely on its young players uh, and use its young players to their benefit. You know, we mentioned the rushing attack uh, by necessity. Uh, I have snap counts up here. I'm going to go through a few of them. Lee, 58 carries. Holmes had 22. Uh, In the passing game, uh, Parker Washington was – Easily their number 2 wide receiver next to Jahan Dotson. Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith got more snaps than Daniel George did. Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson got the lion's share of tight end snaps. Uh, Caden Wallace got the start at right tackle, uh, played the most snaps there. Juice Scruggs got plenty of snaps at guard. He seems like he's uh, in a position to slide in there if they decide to move Mike Miranda over to center next year. Then on the defensive side of the football, Hakeem Beeman got some run. Judge Cole Pepper got some run. Adisa Isaac got some run. All of the linebacker, uh, both of the younger linebackers that were excited about Lance Dixon, especially uh, Curtis Jacobs, also got a few snaps. Got some run in the secondary. Uh, Marcus Wilson, DaQuan Hardy, Joey Porter were the only guys to play in at corner. Uh, Matt, I was really, I was really excited just generally to see how the young guys uh, got in. Uh, got into the rotation, got chances to play and show what they could do, and then I was really excited with how they played. Like I think it adds some merit to let's see James Franklin as- assign more snaps to these younger guys, and let's have them continue to grow in a season where you can still compete to win, but you can also use it as a launching
1: pad to something bigger next year, potentially. Yeah, and I think it's it's a hard question to answer, and I've talked about this for as long as we've been doing podcasts bill is the, the fine line you have to toe between giving those young guys game experience to kind of figure out what you have and help them grow, but not giving them so much where you risk stunting their development to some degree, because they're not ready for everything that you're throwing at them. So um, you, you watch, you know, some of those guys you mentioned come out and play as well as they did. And your first thought is okay, well, didn't, we see them earlier. And then my, my response always to that is, well, if we saw them two or three weeks ago, would they have played as well as they did? Um, but I think, to your point, you know we're into the final two slash three games, maybe four in this bizarre season, if somehow they, there is a bull spot open for them, since records are, are not a factor, um, or, or you, there's no eligibility requirement, I should say, Um but I, I'm glad we saw a little bit more of Lance Dixon. You touched on it where he made a couple plays where he kind of ran himself out of the play, and then the third one after that he made a big stop um, behind the line to, I think, force a fourth down. Whether they went for it or not, I don't remember. But um, you know, Marquise Wilson got a lot of run. Um, Castro Fields was out again um, despite warming up. So he he got the start, I believe, in Keaton Ellis' spot. Um, and I thought he played really well. Um, Joey Porter Jr. had a couple of, um, really nice plays where he came up and defended passes. Hopefully he's okay from whatever that injury was that he suffered later. Um, you know, Brandon Smith, same thing. You know, he There was one play where he ran himself out of it, and then um, you saw him making plays later in the game. Um, Hakeem Bayman is a guy that um, I'm glad we're seeing more and more of. Again, he's a guy that's not ready to play every down, you know, so you have to you know, kind of pick your spots with him. Um, but he was disruptive. He had the one tackle for a loss. I think he also kind of blew up another player too. did um, didn't get the tackle on it, but um, allowed allowed his teammates to get there. Um, so I, I'm curious to see where that goes. Obviously, we saw um, you know the two freshman running backs in Parker Washington. Um, Kendry Lambert-Smith didn't have a catch, but on Lee's r- long run, um, <laughs> I, I knew was you were going the to say fourth this. Quarter, I, when you let, mentioned young players, I wanted to make sure I mentioned this because he he only, um, I think, was targeted once, maybe twice. Um, but on Lee's long run, he just did an unbelievable jo- job blocking downfield for a guy who's played all of, of now six college football games. Um, and isn't the, the strongest guy quite yet, but did an outstanding job to, to allow Lee to pick up probably 10 or 15 more yards on that play. Um, so, you know, even the, the unheralded things um, these guys are doing, and I think it's a sign that they're ready for more. And I think, um, you know, we've seen it over the last couple games. I think you're going to see those guys take on bigger and bigger roles. Um, you know, I was glad to see Taquan Roberson was on the trip after missing the, uh, the Iowa game with an injury. Um, I was glad we didn't have to see him play because it meant Clifford played well, um, but I wouldn't be shocked to see him maybe get an opportunity here, depending on how the next two, two to three games play out. Um, again, just to kind of figure out what you've had, the, the reports that Franklin's given about him have been positive. So, um, you know, in this bizarre year where nothing's gone right, um, it certainly is an opportunity, I think, for some of these guys to, to get the kind of experience that will, that will help them going forward.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's something that I, I I think I've mentioned a time or two on here, but it's, you you don't want to throw up the white flag, uh, and say, all right, uh, you know, Shaka Tony, you've done a lot of really good stuff for this program, but, uh, we're going to give all your, we're going to give the lion's share of those snaps to Nick Tarburton, uh, you know, looking up and down the roster, uh, Will Fries, thank you, but you're not going to be around next year, so this is going to happen, that sort of thing. And I'm really glad that they're not doing that. But you still, it's still worth striking the balance of trying to figure out, you know, when are you going to give, uh, when are you going to say to uh, Will Fries, okay, what you've played, you've played a lot let's see what CJ Thorpe could do here. You've played a ton of right tackle. We're going to put Caden Wallace in or, okay, uh, Lamont Wade, your football career is coming to an end in a couple of games, Uh, but sorry, uh, we're going to put Jair Brown in there instead. Like that's because he's going to be here next year. Like you want to figure out the way to balance that. And I think they're moving in a direction where they are balancing that stuff pretty well. And you know, they, they have some dudes, they have some dudes among these young guys, and I'm glad that they're uh, getting run, and I think we're going to see plenty more of them getting run uh, as the year goes on. Matt, on that, let's just talk about the rest of the season real quick. Uh, I don't think that any of us are any under any illusions that they're about to – put forth this Herculean turnaround and suddenly look like the playoff contender that we thought they could be at the beginning of the season. But traveling to New Jersey, uh, New Jersey this week, America's finest state to take on Rutgers, uh, two and four Rutgers thing. After that, heading back home to end the season, the regular season against uh, a uh, frisky, we will call them Michigan state team for a big old trophy. Then as of right now, cross conference game to end uh, the year they would play Nebraska, uh, they end up picking up a couple of wins. They could get uh, one of Illinois, Purdue, or Minnesota, I would assume. So, and then God knows like what bowl season ends up looking like. But I do, I, I do think that hopefully one bowl that is very desperate for TV ratings decides to call in Penn State because they could use those practices. Uh, what are your kind of expectations on the season moving forward? Because it does like it does feel to me like i have this renewed sense of optimism uh that you know even though rutgers and michigan state have been able there have been times where they've looked good this year you know I, like i still think penn state even at 1 and 5 should be able to beat both of them
1: oh, i agree and i think um i go back to something that i remember thinking after the ohio state game which seems so foolish now that um you know penn state can and should beat every team that's left on their schedule. Obviously that didn't play out by any means, but um, in the big picture that still hasn't really changed, I guess. Um, we have more more information now about, about uh, what this team really is, but I think it is it is more talented for sure than the, the next two teams on the schedule and wh- whoever that third team is going to be. Um, I think the bigger thing is, I whether this plays out or not, we'll we'll learn in in six days from when we're talking when they play Rutgers. But is does this allow them to to just kind of relax? I think um, I touched on it earlier, and we've talked about it a lot over the last um, you know five games. Is this is a team that has looked nervous and tight and waiting for the the next thing to go wrong? Now, does finally having something go right and getting that win? allow them to just kind of relax and play football. Um, I, I think it will, I think playing two teams that they are significantly better than will, will help with that. Um, you know, all credit to Greg Shiano, you know, Rutgers is not, um, not the pushover they once were. Um, and they've, they've won what the two games this year. Um, but it's, they're, they're still a long way to go. And I think, um, you know, as, as high as they're going to be to play Penn state, I think, um, Penn state is going to be have a sense of confidence that they really haven't had yet to this point just by getting that win, going on the road to get that win. Even something that, that got mentioned somewhere online yesterday, I think this team has been better when they've played on the road too. I think they have a more relaxed sense about them. So I think that will help. Um, and then it's, it. who knows what's going to happen going forward though. I think it's um, th- the way the season's gone has just been so bizarre that um you know, I kind of really expect just about any, anything to happen. Um, but I think there's no reason to, to think that they can't win the next three games. They're not going to be, like you said, Bill, that dominant, um, you know, powerful team that's going to blow out the next three teams they face and all of a sudden get to, to four and five. But I think they can certainly get to four and five and and start to build on what they did against Michigan. Sure. I mean, it's... There's,
0: again, like, it's just really hard to think that this team is going to suddenly flip any sort of, well, it, they can flip a switch, it just won't be the switch that uh, I think that we all thought they might have within them, um, but, you know, just perfectly fine, perfectly respectable, and... God, I don't want to say Rutgers and Michigan State are their two most winnable games because, uh, not by a long shot, maybe Penn State is able to, you know, Penn State's going to have to very well might get into a shootout against Rutgers. Rutgers is actually, uh, because Ohio State didn't play this past week, they're actually second in the Big Ten East in scoring offense, uh, in total points scored, rather, Um, and last in points allowed so Penn State's going to that game could end up being a shootout and I actually I'd actually like to see Penn State get into a shootout because I want to see if the offense can win that sort of football game and I also want to see the defense against a team that can uh, move the ball and uh, get it going through the air and do that sort of thing they hired um, yeah they hired someone who I think was a Princeton or Oklahoma State or something like, but they're they're a fun they're a fun offensive team at the very least, and they're a kind of team that Penn State, uh, you know, I just really want to see them go up against. And then Michigan State, uh, they're they're. Michigan State during a down year, as you can imagine. Uh, Gross, ugly football. They got blown out by Iowa and Indiana, but they also beat Michigan and just beat Northwestern somehow. So they're going to have Ohio State next week, maybe, possibly. We don't know what's happening. That game might not happen, and then some weird stuff will happen in Indianapolis in a few weeks after. uh, And then they play Penn State. So there's plenty of stuff uh, on the horizon to make me think that Penn State could, like you said, Matt, go four and five, move from currently the basement of the Big Ten East to uh, in the middle of the pack, uh, and then hopefully go to some kind of bowl game, because I really, really want to see Penn State get those extra practices, play a bowl game if they can make it to one, and make a little bit extra of this season. Uh because it's been a weird one. It's been a not particularly fun one. And uh, Saturday afternoon gave us something that was a bit of a departure th- from the norm of this year. Uh, Want to a- a- Any thoughts on Michigan before I free you to go watch the Columbus cl- crew play Nashville SC, something that uh, probably no other listener other- can uh, relate to other than you and me.
1: <laughs> um, let's just say that um, if, if- – if I knew going into this season that it would have been what it was, but we would have gotten our first win against Michigan in the, in the way that we did. Um, this is very enjoyable for me. I'm not going to lie. Um, like I said, not just living here, but just kind of living with what Michigan was doing to Penn state for the better part of Penn state's membership in the big 10. so, um, hadn't won a game in, in Michigan stadium since 2009, um, hadn't looked particularly good in Michigan stadium since 2009 in the, I think, three losses since then. Um, and perhaps being the, the last nail in the the Jim Harbaugh era at Michigan, um, you know, Ohio state probably gets to drive that home here in a couple weeks, assuming that game happens, like you mentioned. Um, but g- given the, the fanfare with which Jim Harbaugh came to Ann Arbor and just the the way he was talked about around here by the media, by Michigan fans, um, and then you factor in the national infatuation with him, the fact that it, it kind of feels like, even if no one will say it, that it's coming to, to an end here in the next two or three games that they play um, makes me feel pretty good just because it's, um, like you and I have talked about a lot, Bill, if Jim Harbaugh is not the guy that can get Michigan back to being what Michigan thinks they should be, then who is it going to be? Cause there's not that next obvious guy after him. Um, and kind of s- watching them go through some sort of existential crisis, kind of like, like Penn state was going through in, in a couple of times over the last 20 years, um, is, is pretty enjoyable. And I, I, like I said, I don't know where Michigan goes from here because if it's not Harbaugh, it's, you know, there isn't the next obvious guy. Um, and you look what Ohio state's doing. You look what Penn state had been doing going into this year. Um, how you know they risk falling further and further behind where the top, the top teams in the, in the conference have been. Um, and right now they don't look like they're particularly close. You look at Wisconsin did to them not that long ago. You look what Penn state did to them. Um, not even to mention what, what Michigan state and, and Rutgers almost did to them. So, um, and like I said, I think Ohio state, if that game happens, um, that could get just all kinds of ugly to the point where, where you're, you're forced to make a change. So um, no, no, uh, no lost sympathy or anything like that for, for where Michigan finds itself at the moment.
0: It's all very funny. Um, Yeah. I'm not saying anything other than that. It's all very funny. Uh, Thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions radio. As always make sure you are subscribing uh to the podcast wherever you get your podcast for heading over to apple Podcasts, go and leave us a five-star review make sure you're purchasing t-shirts make sure you're purchasing hoodies make sure you're following us on all of our social media channels reading and supporting the site in all the ways that you know by now because i go through this every week uh one last time thank you very much for listening to this edition of roar lions radio for matt debare i'm bill de take care everyone